0: Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. This is what Luke records beginning in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, "'Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God.'" He made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with fasting and prayer, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then passed, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. Father, we ask this morning that You would open our eyes, that we would be able to see that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, man, it is so good to finally hear that out loud and not pretend that you're saying that with me on the screen. You know, as we walk through Acts chapter 14, as we have been walking our way through the entire book of Acts, we've been reminded of the mission that Jesus had left His disciples with. That mission was to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that men and women, boys and girls, would trust in Him for salvation. That was beginning in Acts chapter 1, and we've seen the church, we've seen specifically the apostles fulfill the mission that Jesus had left them with. And we're going to continue to see that even as we look at Acts chapter Chapter 14 this morning. If you're taking notes, write down this main idea of the text. When we faithfully fulfill the mission of God, we join the ever-expanding movement of the king of, kingdom of God in this world. When we faithfully fulfill the mission of God, we join the ever-expanding movement of the kingdom of God in this world. Now, I want to walk through the text and the few minutes that we have to do that, and I want you to look at verses 1 through verse 7 and notice the burden of a mission. Now, it's interesting as you look through the first seven verses and you encounter, once again, as we kind of saw the transition from Peter being the primary focus in the early church to now Saul who was converted in Acts chapter 9, now the apostle Paul, the one who is taking the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas have a burden to fulfill the mission that Jesus had left his church with. So much so that they were willing to endure whatever persecution came up so that they could proclaim the message of the gospel. Now, just think about this with me this morning. I know that it is warm in here, but at least you weren't stoned coming in, right? That's kind of helpful. It's kind of helpful that you're not dead in this moment. But that's what Paul and Barnabas were enduring. There were some who had received the message gladly But every place that they went, there were others who were doing everything that they could to stop the spread of the gospel in the world. And so they would come up against them. They would make up stories about them. They would do everything that they could to stop the spread of the gospel. But I want you to notice that Paul and Barnabas had a burden to fulfill the mission, the mission of making disciples. In fact, I would make this argument, that was their primary objective in life. That was what they were primarily focused on. They weren't really worried about a lot of other things that were taking place. Things taking place in the culture, things taking place even personally, their primary mission of their lives was to fulfill the mission of God. That when Jesus left this earth and gave us the mission to make disciples, they took that mission seriously. There was nothing else that combined to fulfill their attentions. This was their sole objective in life. Not only was there a burden of a mission, but there was a blessing of a miracle in verses 8 through 18. Isn't it interesting that as they are faithful to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ first to the Jews as they entered into the city and then to the Gentiles, that the Lord worked on their behalf performing miracles, opening doors of opportunity so that the gospel that they are proclaiming has a stamp of approval from the Lord. That's amazing as we walk through the book of Acts, we see that over and over and over and over again, that has, they are faithful to proclaim the gospel, that God is at work behind the scenes orchestrating things in such a way so that it is a stamp of approval on the message that is proclaimed. And so what we see happen is a man who was crippled from birth, he had never walked, and Paul looks at him and says, be healed. That's an amazing thing. I mean, just imagine right now, if you could say, let there be air, and there was air conditioning. I mean, like that quickly. It just turned on, and it got 72 degrees in here. Amen? But that's exactly what happened in the text. As they are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see that this man that they encounter on the streets is crippled, and they are able to, with the Word, Simply speak and he is healed. Now, things go a little bit awry at that point. I don't know if you catch that in the text, but what happens at that point in time is the townspeople, the people who are watching this, look and say, the only person that could do something like that must be a god. And so we need to worship Paul and Barnabas. They didn't recognize, and Paul and Barnabas are going to be quick to point their attention not to themselves, but to point their attention to the Lord and say, No, this is not our power that made this take place. In fact, this is the power of the Lord at work. Listen to the message of the gospel as we proclaim it. Not only do we see the burden of a mission in verses 1 through 7 and the blessing of a miracle in verse 8 through 18, but Here's the third thing we see, the birth of a movement, verses 19 through verse 28. See, the problem is when the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, and as we talked about last week, that the hope of our nation, the hope of the world, is not in some political stance or in some law that's enacted. The hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, in this instant, as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, it says that Jews came up persuading the crowds to turn against Paul and Barnabas. And so they drag Paul out of the city and they stone him and they leave him thinking that he's dead. And I love the way the text says, and then he got up. His mission wasn't fulfilled, and if you notice, not only does he get up, but if you had just been stoned for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, you may be tempted in that moment to kind of reassess a bit, to think, hmm, that didn't turn out well the last six times I did that, so let me do something different, but that's not at all what happens. In fact, we see the movement of the gospel continue to flood into the Gentile nations. That Paul and Barnabas, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of walking through difficulty, that they are committed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And amazingly, churches are birthed during this season. Leaders are raised up during this season. They go back to the churches that they had previously planted. And as they're going, they are continuing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me today, we are sitting here right now because of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and the movement that resulted called Christianity. It's the reason that we are here. It's the reason that we exist as a church. Not just to stand on their shoulders and to enjoy what we are able to enjoy as the church, but to continue to fulfill the mission that Jesus has called us to fulfill. So this morning, that's what we see in the text. I want us to worship a little bit more together, and then we'll join back around the text and talk about some specific application for us to think through in our own lives as we take the Scriptures and apply it to ourselves. So let's walk back through for a few minutes together, Acts chapter 14, and think through some specific application in our own lives. As we look at the text, as we think about this main idea that when we faithfully fulfill the mission of God, we join the ever-expanding movement of the kingdom of God in this world. So let me say to you, believer, that when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you joined a movement. That movement is the spread of the gospel on this planet. And ever since Jesus' death and resurrection and the fact that he gave his disciples a mission to fulfill, that has been the movement that has spread throughout the world. That is the movement that you join when you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior. And for us, if we've trusted in Him as our Savior, He has called us to fulfill the mission that He left His church to fulfill. Which means for every single one of us, we should take the same posture towards Jesus' mission as Paul and Barnabas. Meaning that we give ourselves totally to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing disciples made for Him. Now think about that with me for just a little bit. Who do you know that is in your circle of influence that you interact with, maybe at work, maybe it's one of your kids that you interact with in the home, maybe it's a family member or a parent or a child, whatever that looks like, Who do you know that needs to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who can you, leaving here today, not just say, wow, I'm glad I got to go to church, but to walk out of here and say, I have a mission this week. And that mission is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known to this person. And for you this week, I am confident that you will have an opportunity, if you'll take advantage of it, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with one of those people in your lives. You see, for us as believers, we don't have another option. Living out the Christian life doesn't just mean living a godly life, doing the right things. It means abandoning ourselves for the mission that God has called us to fulfill. And you look at your life and you say, Well, I'm a police officer, or I'm retired, or I work for a large company, or I work for myself. What? Well, that's my job. That's what I do. And I want to challenge you on that. That is your vocation. That is not your calling as a believer. That's your job. That's not your focus. Your focus, your calling as a fellow believer is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. Meaning that you look at your workplace not as a workplace but as a mission field. That you look at the neighborhood in which you live, not as a neighborhood, but a mission field. That you look at your crazy neighbor, not as just a crazy neighbor, sometimes they are, but you look at them as an opportunity for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for us as believers, we also should have the burden of fulfilling the mission that God has called us to fulfill. Now, we see that burden in the text, and then we see that as Paul and Barnabas are seeking to fulfill that mission, that God shows up and works. And here's the wonderful news. We are not called to fulfill the mission in our own strength and in our own power. That's good news. Because you and I don't have the greatest words. You and I don't have the greatest life that backs up what we're preaching or what we're proclaiming. You and I don't have all the arguments down pat. You and I sometimes don't encounter people in the right way. But I want you to notice this, that before you ever speak a word to someone to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, that God is already at work in their heart. That parents, when you seek to teach your kids the ways of the Lord, that God is already at work in them. That when you look across your fence to your neighbor, that God is already at work in their lives. When you engage with a coworker and you begin to share with them, that God is already at work in their lives. Here's the thing that I heard someone say this past week, they say, just imagine this, that In all that's transpired over the last three months, that you might know of three things that you've seen God do out of hundreds that God has been doing in your life. God is at work in our community. God is at work in the people's lives that you interact with. And we don't even see that. But the promise that we have in the scriptures is that as we proclaim the gospel, as we hold true to God's word, as we lift up God's word, as we share God's word with other people, that God is working in their lives to draw them to himself. And so the encouragement for us to fulfill the mission is the fact that we're not trying to do it on our own. Meaning collectively as a church family, we're not operating just as individuals or we're not operating just as a single church, but we are joining in the movement of what God is doing and the work that God is about right now. And so you think, man, my coworker is way too far gone. My neighbor doesn't want to hear it. I want to encourage you, God doesn't charge us to be concerned about the results God charges us to be faithful to fulfill the mission. God calls us to be faithful to share the gospel, not to worry about the results of how it takes root in someone else's life. And so I want to encourage you that as you are faithful to proclaim the gospel, as you are faithful to fulfill the mission, to look and watch out for God's power at work in other people's lives and in your life as well. And then let's think about this last point that we see here in the book of Acts, the birth of a movement. We see Christianity go from Jesus Christ dying on the cross and raising from the dead to all of a sudden, 2,000 years later, there are millions of believers across the globe. For us as a church, we are part of that movement. Here's where the problem comes in. When that movement becomes just a monument. I think about this all the time with the building. I think about this as we look right down the road, as we're excited to move into that. I don't want that building to just simply be a monument that's there. I want that building to be a base of a movement in this community, of the gospel of Jesus Christ transforming lives. I don't want us to end up at the end of this project and just go, wow, we've got a building and it's nice and we can control the air. And we've got kids' classrooms where we can send them, parents, right? But what I want to see happen is for that building to just be the starting point of a movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ transforming people's lives in our community. That we see that as home base, not as the end Result in the end goal. You know, it's amazing that if you look at the text, as you think through the birth of a movement, as you see that even in persecution, that Paul and Barnabas were still seeking to fulfill the mission, that they were continuing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they journeyed back to these churches that they planted, they didn't look and say, gosh, our work's done. We're finished. No, they journey and look and say, we've got to continue on. We've got to press forward. We've got to continue until every single person has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can't stop with us. And church, it can't stop with you. I'm glad you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior if you have, but it can't stop with you and it can't stop with me and it can't stop with our church. We're not part of a monument service. We are part of a movement of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community and to the world. And the question is, will we view our lives in that way? Will we view our lives in such a way that regardless of what our vocation is, our calling is to be a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ? that we look at our workplaces as mission fields, that we look at our neighborhoods as mission fields, that we look at this building that's being built down the road, not as a monument to what we accomplished, but just as the starting point of a movement that is going to continue to transform this community. It's up to us to commit to that. The natural tendency is to drift in the other direction to become complacent, to become content, to look and say, wow, we've accomplished something and never see what God could do. And church family, I want to see what God can do. I don't want us to settle. I want us to look and to say, we're just beginning this journey that God has called us to fulfill in this community. And it's going to take every single one of us I want to ask you to bow your heads with me and to close your eyes as we get ready to close out this service and to sing as we finish up. Maybe you're here this morning and as we've talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead on the third day, securing salvation for us. Maybe you sitting here this morning or you watching online right now, you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And maybe for you, that needs to be the step that you take today. And I want to encourage you that as we sit here and as we watch online, that you can take that step. By simply calling out to the Lord and saying, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I need to be forgiven of my sins. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and He rose on the third day and I trust in Him for my salvation. Not in anything that I can accomplish, but all in what He accomplished for me. You can do that right now. Believer, I want to encourage you to take seriously the mission that God has called us to fulfill. That regardless of what our vocation is, our calling is as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a missionary in this community and our circle of influence to share the hope we found in Christ. Who is it that you know their name pops up in your head right now that needs to hear who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in your life? Will you commit right now before the Lord that you will share with them the first opportunity that you get over this coming week? Parent, will you commit to continue to share the gospel with your kids until they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Church family, will you commit with me that this building down the road is not going to be a monument, but it will be home base for a movement of the gospel transforming lives in our community. Father, work in us and work through us. Challenge us, convict us, encourage us, help us to do what you've called us to do so that you get the glory and we get to be part of it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.